Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. 2024 real estate year is off to the races and we're already seeing and feeling a noticeable uptick in activity levels and interest just since the first of the year, both within our team, ourselves, and definitely our colleagues within the industry, both on the sales side, mortgage side, um, and the inspectors, of course, as well. And the thing is, too, there's, there's a palatable level of optimism in the marketplace that we have not seen or felt in about a year. People were just done with real estate for at least the latter half of 2023. And now the conversations are quite different. But why is that? What's different? Well, let's start off with the BOC because we've got an update where markets uh, expectations for the 2024 Bank of Canada rates, well, they're getting a little bit more exciting if you're on sort of the mortgage side of things. Projections still have the first rate cut, most likely at the March meeting. Uh, where they expect then in April they're going to hold, and then there's going to be further cuts through the summer. And the markets are now expecting an overnight rate at the end of 2024 to be at 3.5%. Just last month, those same predictions were 3.75, and back in November, it was four and a quarter. So you're seeing the expectations and the rate of cuts increasing as time moves forward here. These predictions are shifting and becoming a little bit more optimistic if you're on that side of the fence. Um, of course, based on what's happening in the economy and, and we've got these massive increasing debt loads, we've got consumers that are feeling the pinch further and further. And of course, the numbers that we shared with the business insolvencies and their debt loads just a couple episodes ago really speak to the stresses throughout the economy. We're seeing a much lower number in job vacancies. And while the jobs market is currently rather steady, um, I think we're going to see that shift as well, especially when the January numbers come out based on all the part-time jobs that are going to disappear over the holiday season here. Now, no one today is really expecting a rate cut in January, but you know, for fun, keep your eye on January the 24th because that's when the BOC meets next. Um, again, it would come as a surprise, but don't get your hopes up. Um, that's not trending that way yet, but hey, the reason being, the Bank of Canada still, of course, needs the rate of inflation to drop further before their confidence in rate cuts can really come to the surface here. So keep in mind, uh, inflation announcements come on the third Tuesday of every month, making the next announcement on January the 16th. So a couple of key dates there to keep an eye on just this month alone. Yeah. And uh, let's keep an eye on, on mortgage rates too, because fixed mortgage rates, they continue to drift lower. And that's a, a great forward-looking indicator as to what could come next. So we're even seeing deep discounted rates right now at the 5.2% range with insured mortgages well below the 5% range here. It still looks like there's an additional 50 basis points to come off fixed rate mortgages. Uh, as they realign with bond yields that have come down 90 basis points since uh, November, or sorry, the October highs. The idea of potentially lower interest rates has definitely increased real estate sentiment. 
And we know from tracking real estate sentiment over the last three years uh, that this will lead to an increase in sales volume and potentially uh, even more so if rates get far more aggressive. To give you some context here, the Real Estate Confidence Index has risen from 37 to 45 in eight months. And that's that palpable change that Dan uh, was alluding to earlier. So while sentiment and sales may rise, uh, and I do believe that will be the case for part of 2024, buyers will still face higher than long-term average interest rates, which will temper any COVID-style buying that we saw and, and likely temper prices to some degree. But even at 4% mortgage rates, payments will still be 60% higher than they were in 2021. So still some payment shock coming for those renewing, although hopefully we can get those rates down by the time that takes place by late 24, early 25. Sentiment really does play such a driver here. And, and through the latter half of 2023, we kept talking about how sentiment was dropping, getting lower and lower, and you know prices and sales volumes fall with it. So it really does dictate the way people feel about the real estate market really dictates where you can kind of expect prices and, and sales volumes to go. It's, it's such a strong metric. So we keep a close eye on that one. We also keep a close eye on Toronto. Toronto has been a very unique market to watch this year especially because they ended their year and we know how big Toronto is. They ended their year with only 66,000 homes sold total. That is the lowest sales volumes count in 23 years, dating back to the year 2000. And what else was going on in the year 2000? There were 22% less people, half a million less people. And yet they're seeing similar sales volumes. And as a further reference, there are currently 73,000 licensed realtors in Toronto. Okay, do that math. 73,000 realtors, 66,000 homes sold. Pretty simple math to figure out that it's a very tough industry to be in if you're an agent in, in Toronto for at least the last 12 months. Now, leading up to the end of 2023, home sales were lower year over year every month for the last six months. But then very oddly, in December, the sales spiked like 21%, the largest increase that region saw in eight months. Is that kind of a, a look as to what's to come? Well, you know, time will tell, of course, because one month does not make a trend by any stretch. The real story, and this is very similar to what we're seeing in Vancouver, is, of course, in inventory, because there was a notable, a notable excuse me, development in that space in December. Because new listings in Toronto fell 13% month over month, you know, somewhat similar to Vancouver. But that there was the largest decline in month over month listings since February. And the second lowest reading for any December in the past 20 years. So it wasn't just like, oh yeah, it's December. Of course, less people are listing. You're looking at a 20-year low. That dramatic of a change in sales versus listings, it shot the sales to listings ratio way up from 38 to 53 in a single month. Again, the largest jump seen in like three years. So something really dramatic has happened in Toronto there. Again, is it an anomaly? Well, we'll find out by the end of this month and of course, moving forward. But overall inventory over there, it's 20% higher than this time last year. So we'll see where the sort of like increase in sales, increase in inventory, decrease in listings factors take uh, precedent here or, or see where they take prices rather over the upcoming months. 
But speaking of prices, Toronto dropped about uh, 1.3% in price looking at their HPI last month, month over month, and they're down 15% from those record highs seen about two years ago. So place your bets on when you're going to see prices or where you're going to see prices go in Toronto coming in 2024, uh, but a dramatically different marketplace than Vancouver. The two have completely diverged in in about the last year here, where if you remember, I think Vancouver is currently sitting about 7% under those all-time highs. Toronto is more than double that at 15% off. Wondering if we we saw a dramatic increase in sales in December because of that uh, new municipal tax that's coming in uh, at the start of January. And I wonder if there was a number of buyers and sellers who had agreed to move their contract dates up to avoid having to pay that tax. It's definitely a possibility. Uh, I, you know, one month doesn't make a trend, as we often say, right? So we'll definitely need to keep an eye on that. But uh, I definitely think, you know, when you've got municipal taxes that are increasing at the incredible rate that they are in Toronto, uh, that's going to put a lot of buyers on the sideline too. It's just going to make yeah. Expand on that. How much more are people looking to pay? Once that's enacted, well, I think it was something like a, it's an additional ten percent of its uh, municipal taxes. Is it's something crazy that's that's going through? Um, I don't have the information in front of me, Dan, but I do know that you know where we pay a property transfer tax every time a property is is purchased, uh, we pay that to the province. However, in Toronto, they're now paying a provincial transfer tax. And they're paying a municipal transfer tax. So they're doubling up on the taxes there. And uh, from what I understood from speaking to Mareta, who was on, she's a Toronto realtor who was on our podcast earlier in 2023, you know, she mentioned uh, her brokerage saw an incredible amount of deals that were getting pushed forward into, into December to avoid having to pay those taxes in January. Uh, because I know that the municipality said even if you had done a deal prior to January, uh, or you know if it was going to close in January, close in February, that those would apply even if you had done your deal prior to the announcement. So, you know, not not very fair in many ways, and likely why a lot of people accelerate in December. So yeah, very true. I think I think you're dead on. I just pulled it up here for a quick reference here. And it's kind of like our transfer tax here. It does scale up based on property price. The higher you go, the more you pay. But let's say they've got well, I think their average price is about 1.15 now in Toronto. Let's use a million bucks just as a round easy number here. The new additional transfer tax there at the municipal level would equate to 2%. So on a million dollar purchase, on top of your other taxation, you're getting another $20,000 bill, which I'm certain will be a cash payment. You can't roll that into your mortgage. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah make, it, sorry, making go ahead. It, Just making it way harder for people to buy and making it... I'm, I'm sorry, but again, you, we're talking about affordability in a city that has almost none. And how does that create affordability? Why are we introducing another tax? I don't get it. Yeah, this will push their tax rate on a brand new home upwards of 36% now. Yeah. More than a third of a new home is now going to tax. Yeah, well. <laughs> and fees, but yes. Yeah, so pretty dramatic in you know what's happening in, in Toronto and, and likely a case for why we saw those sales numbers jump in December. 
likely because a lot of people are trying to avoid having to pay that tax. So again, uh, we'll see probably a depressed or more depressed market as it becomes more difficult for people in Toronto to buy homes. It's just less affordable. So, so if they can't buy, where are they going? Uh, they're going to rent, right? And so let's let's talk about rentals. Uh, the December numbers are out. So asking rents for all residential property types in Canada averaged $2,174 in November, holding close to the record high of October, which was $2,178. So within a 0.2% month-over-month decrease, a nominal decrease here. Vancouver still leads the pack with one beds at $2,866 a month and two bedrooms at a whopping $3,834 a month, both up 6% year over year. What's shocking to me, though, is Burnaby saw a whopping 15% year-over-year increase in rates and sits at the second most expensive rental market in Canada. Toronto is basically flat from one year ago, with one beds having dropped about 2% and two beds up about 1.5%, but it's around $200 a month on average lower from the recent peak. The largest drop in year-over-year one-bedroom rents was in Guelph, Ontario, dropping a mere 2.3%. So some crazy, crazy numbers there, Dan, in terms of, of rents and I think if we touch on a little bit of immigration issues here, we'll have an idea of where they're going too. It's very possible. Yeah, it's it's almost like Toronto's seen sort of peak affordability with that rental rate. As Ryan just mentioned, it's for about four or five, six months here, rents have come down 200 bucks on average. We'll see how far that goes because of course, people can only afford so much. And then if home prices come down like 15% as they have in Toronto, all of a sudden your monthly outlay starts to make more sense for some to put it into ownership. So we'll see how, if that converges or diverges further. But yes, uh, immigration is something, it's been the hot topic really of 2022 to today. And uh, the most recent numbers showed 1.2 million people coming into the country in the last 12 months, obviously helping push that rental problem and to hit those rates at all time highs last year. Homes, like resale homes here, as we know, prices are, are quite elevated, at least from two years ago, and inventory remains incredibly low. You look to GVRD today, and, and there's only, gosh, what is it, uh, 8,500 homes available for sale right now. And, and yes, it's January. It's a, it's a lower month, but 8,500, that's, that's low. The stresses on the real estate have been in the forefront for about a year here, but now we're hearing the other stories, right? Um, typically in healthcare right now. We're just this week in, in Vancouver, or in BC rather, the number of patients in hospital beds hit an all-time high. The number was somewhere around 10,500. And you know, I'm not sure if you've had an experience, um, Ryan, but if you've gone in, if you walked into a hospital with, with uh, a non-life-threatening emergency, but you need to see someone, typical wait times are upwards of eight hours eight hours to see a doctor you know you roll in at uh, 8 p.m with a problem you're not seeing anyone until 4 or 5 a.m and so we're going to see you know should obviously the the infrastructure for this type of population growth just is not there right the housing was first affected understandably now it's going through and filtering to the healthcare system we're starting to hear more and more nightmare stories about how congested the schools are getting so this is going to continue as well and, and you got to think healthcare schools these don't have quick fixes either. It's, it's similar to the housing market, right? You can't just go and build 
a million homes in, in a couple months here. You can't build 50 new schools. You can't build 10 new hospitals. So the, these, these issues here uh, are making the country, BC, Vancouver, you know, in a sense, less desirable. And that was definitely noted, again, in our, in our recent uh, past podcast where we talked about how many people are leaving the province and leaving the country. Um, obviously, the numbers coming in are, are far, far higher, but uh, I expect these stresses to be front and center uh, through the news cycle for most of 2024. Yeah, I, especially I think that the next sort of segment, like you said, the education system, the schools, that's certainly uh, a big part of, of our, of our, I guess, defined problem. And, and not just elementary and, and, and um, high schools and things like that. Like we've talked about previously, you know, the international students and the amount of people that are coming here from around the world to get their diplomas or get their degrees again, is, is causing a lot of stress on, on the rental side of things as well. So we'll see where it goes in, in 2024. We'll see if the government really starts to clamp down on it or not, but uh, it's a tale to see. With that said, uh, I just want to touch on this last piece uh, here because if you live in BC, uh, your BC property assessments are out. And while we take this metric with a grain of salt, uh, a couple interesting notes uh, that the Crown Corp has reported. So I'll just uh, list off a couple numbers here because it's quite interesting. The vast majority of markets in Metro Vancouver, Greater Victoria, and the Okanagan saw a typical 2024 valuation of a single-family home stay within 5%, so up or down 5%, increase or decrease in price here. The assessed value of a single-family home in Vancouver rose on average by 4% to just above $2.2 million. While strata properties remain nearly unchanged at $807,000. A notable thing, too, no communities in the Okanagan or Greater Victoria surpassed 5% in growth. Although you've got to think, if you were to just allow prices to go up or down 5% every year, within 15 years, prices would have fallen in half or doubled. So it's not a tiny effect. 5% shouldn't be overlooked. It's just that, you know, your pre-pandemic or your pandemic era of price surging was so dramatic that 5% feels small, but it's not. It's actually huge. In fact, Thomas Davidoff, uh, associate prof at uh, Sauter School of Business, was quoted saying that, you know, given the challenges with inflation and rising cost of living since 2022, the fact that property values are holding or even increasing slightly is evidence that BC homeowners are holding on to their homes and making adjustments elsewhere in their lives to make ends meet. It also means that when situations become more favorable, prices could resume that upward trend, though much like we've talked about in today's podcast, not at the same pandemic rates we've seen before. So lastly, I think uh, one thing to to talk about here is the Crown Corp performs your BC assessed values in July of every year. And then they're released six months later. So the data you're getting from your assessed value is typically very latent. It's a lagging indicator of prices. It doesn't really, uh, it's, it's not a forward looking metric. So you take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, comparatively speaking here, HPI average prices here are already down three and a half percent since those numbers came out. So not something you really want to use to uh, value your property if you're going to market or you're going to sell. Uh, it's just uh, it's one piece of the puzzle. That we've got. So 
Last last yeah. point too. If you don't agree with your assessment, you can challenge it. But you know, go to the BC Assessment Authority and. Yeah, I'll, I'll share my assessment dropped about three percent, but you know it went up. My property property tax bill. You know, it, it's Good. obviously you know property taxes are up what seven plus percent this year. So it, it, a bit of a myth that hey, if your price if your property price lowers, that your property tax lowers. Well, no, because they're adjusting mill rates and they're adjusting the overall increases as well. So this general uh, outlook there, just recognize that dropping home prices as far as the assessment goes doesn't necessarily mean you're saving on your tax bill each year. And I will say too, Dan, to follow that up, Dan and I live very close to each other within walking distance, very similar housing types as well. And oddly, mine went up by 5% and we're three blocks apart from each other. So again, factor that in. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do, assessing millions of homes. Um, as you may have heard on earlier podcasts, we had uh, one of our team members actually used to work for BC Assessment for many years, and we got some great inside uh, information into how they operate. And the amount of homes that uh, a single person is responsible for assessing is is on the verge of astronomical. So no doubt that uh, it's very hard to kind of nail down and pinpoint every single one of them. So like Ryan mentioned, if you are shocked by your assessment uh, to the upside or to the downside, you do have, oh my goodness, I forgot the time frame. Is it three months? You do have some time so, to go into and, and uh, have it looked at and you can, you can uh, challenge that number. Alternatively, too, you can always reach out, book a call with us and figure out what your home's worth. That's probably the best way to do it. Great place to end it. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, listening. Have a great week, and we will see you here again next week. Bye. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.